Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Each week we discuss life's hard financial questions in three sections. The first one is retirement update. The second one is tactical asset management. And the third one is news you can use. Now this week in retirement update, we're going to be talking about the SECURE Act. Now, this was passed a couple of years ago, and I have to tell you, it is, it's really upsetting for a lot of families right now. It's, it's, not, it's not fulfilling the estate planning structure or the, the, the legacy issues that we were talking about you know, 10 years ago or five years ago. Even. Yeah, there's, there's some great pieces in there, um, some really interesting changes. But, but one of the big changes, the, I think the key thing we're talking about today is if you inherit an IRA, if you inherit right. some sort of an account, it's different than it used to be. Right. Um, so people who did estate planning you know, 10 years ago, um, they, they anticipated that when a spouse dies, the other spouse can you know, t- stretch it over their lifetime, take out the funds. Or if, if both spouses were die, that their children could take out these IRA funds, that's you know, qualified retirement type money, 401ks, IRAs, things like that. They could take out that money and they, they called what was a lifetime stretch. They would stretch out the taxes over their whole life and it, take it. It created, it created a phenomenal pension-like return for yeah. younger heirs. Yeah. Right? The, the way the rules used to be, so just for an example for everyone, if you know uh, uh, the parent generation passed away and the kids inherited a 401k, they could take their age, say they were in their 50s, they could take their age and stretch it out for their expected lifetime and then take a little bit of that account out each year. What that does is, it doesn't push them into a high tax bracket. Right. If you take an entire 401k and dump it into your estate or into your account in one year, you have to pay taxes on all that money. And that usually will push someone into a higher tax bracket. So the ability to stretch out- Yeah, so in the state out, of California, you're talking over 40% typically in taxes. You yeah, know, you have you, federal plus state, it, right. it, yeah, it gets really high. So what people would do, they did this lifetime stretch and they would take a little bit each year for the rest of their life. And it helped you know, provide for their life, but also it, it stretched out the taxes let the money continue to grow in this you know, tax qualified world. So what the secure act did is for spouses, it really is little Didn't change. change. I mean, it's still the same. If you're married, if you're a spouse, your spouse passes away, you basically take over the retirement account, the qualified account as though you were the person that died. Yeah. Not, not a big deal. But for the next generation, the, the kids, which the kids may be 50 now, you know, when the, when the yeah, parent the non-spouse passes away, the non-spouse, the Children or heirs, or there's a specific list of exclusions, but generally anyone else, right? <laughs> generally, when they receive this, they have to take out all the money within 10 years. And so, if you think about it, they could take out you know zero, 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 and then in the 10th year, take out this this giant lump sum. There's a little of differences. You know, there's some nuances, of course. You and, should- you got, and, and just to kind of insert here, we got custodial issues because there's certain companies like insurance companies and or brokerage companies that they interpret these rules differently. Then and there's still some interpretation left that yeah. hasn't been clarified yet. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you you anyone who's looking at this, you know, needs an advisor who can determine 
their specifics on the rules that exist, but also knowing, you know, we've had a few um, annuity or insurance type products that they've had a different view of things. And yeah, I've got, I mean, we have, we have one company that even though there's a secure act, if the non-spouse beneficiary, they will, they will stretch it. They will stretch it out. And now I think it's the only company that I know of that'll do that and whether or not they'll continue that in the, in the foreseeable future. But for right now, we can structure the money to go in there and it does that stretch. Then we have another company that we've done a lot of business with and the trust was the beneficiary in this one particular instance. It was kind of a surprise to us. And uh, they're saying, no, it's over five years. And yeah. I'm, I'm arguing with the company saying, no, the law says we can have 10 years to distribute this. And it's just, so again, it's not just the secure law, but it's also how everybody else interprets it yep. to make sure we get it right. And even after the, the secure act came out, there's still kind of the, the, the rules and regulations are still coming right. out. In fact, there's still some right now that are proposed. They're receiving comment on them. Uh, but for a lot of folks, you know, as you think about this, I mean, I guess the question being, would you rather inherit a taxable account? Or would you rather inherit a 401k account? Right. And I mean, unfortunately, the answer is it depends. You know, in, right. in a taxable account, you know, the, the money's free. Taxes are already paid. Remember, in a taxable it. account, you have a step up in basis. You get a step up, which is yeah. phenomenal. So yeah. for a lot of folks, that's really good. The negative being, you, as it grows, as, it, as, it, as you do any changes, you could have gains, you could, you know, ongoing this stuff. Whereas if you, and because they don't already pay taxes, that account's probably slightly smaller than it would have been mm-hmm. had it been a qualified account. Mm-hmm. But with the SECURE Act, if you inherit this, this large 401k, which is a great thing, you have to know that you're going to have to, over 10 years, take all that money out and pay taxes on it. So, right. so it's good to make a, a plan for that of when to take it out, but, but it's changed people's expectations. And remember on your, you have a thing called a beneficiary designation. So on a retirement plan, you are going to list typically the primary beneficiaries, and then you're going to list contingent beneficiaries. People say, well, it's in my trust. It's not in your trust because it is, it is individual to the participant. Now, how it gets to the next generation is through these beneficiary designations, right? And if you don't have those things done right, it could be devastating. Yeah. Well, one even just a, a key to back up a step, a key planning item, um, a lot of folks you know, they'll do a trust, they put their house in there, they put some of the other assets in there. But for the, I would say the majority of clients, maybe not all of them, but for the majority, their retirement accounts right. are at least 50% of their total estate. Probably. You know, they're, they're 401ks or IRAs. Or if they've been consistent in saving and had enough time, uh, they've accumulated. In fact, retirement accounts have grown, I mean, exponentially. I mean, it's, they're over $20 trillion. Yeah. And it's from the numbers being in 1995, the all the 401ks and IRAs, all those put together was about three trillion dollars, 1995. In 2020, you know, a few years ago, it was 22 million. Yeah. And and so part of that is the the demise of pensions. You know, right. There used to be more pensions around that companies would do that. And those just have not been as popular for the last probably two or three decades. They've been waning. But with 401ks and IRA type stuff, that that money, one, because of investments, two, because of generational items, right. but also just people are using them. And so the odds of somebody inheriting a 401k and IRA have gone up that have you know significant money in them. And I think people just need to realize that if, if your parents, you know, the older generation still has a 401k or an IRA that they're living off of, if they pass away and you inherit it, it it's not free money. Like no. there, there's some, some careful thought of how you're going to get that money out of that tax qualified environment. And, and we have to be really, um, I mean, I want to make sure there's clarity here. It affects not only IRAs, but also Roth IRAs. This money has to come out in 10 years if you're a non-spouse beneficiary, unless there's some other 
like you said, there's some circumstances, but yeah. it's 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 almost not worth mentioning it because it's a very minor, minor class. Yeah. In a Roth IRA, which most people know, the taxes were already paid, right? And it's grown tax-free over a number of years. So the benefit being when you take out the Roth IRA, you don't have to pay the taxes, right? But you do have to take it out of that kind of tax qualified right. environment. And any future gains will all be I'll be taxable. But yeah, it's it's not say it's blindsided, but it surprised a number of folks when when they say, Oh, I get that stretch thing, right? That lifetime stretch. And for for most people, that, that's no longer in Yeah, it just shows the dynamic of financial planning and the whole aspect of laws and rules and regulations. And they're constantly changing. They're not static, they're very dynamic. And this is something that we deal with on a continual basis. Stay tuned for our next section. What we're going to talk about is tactical asset management. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that we refer to as tactical asset management. You know, investing is, they talk about investing being an art. I always tell people that we're not building a building here. You don't use concrete, you know, wood, bricks, cement. When you're investing, you're using very abstract things. But um, investing is, is a, almost a contrarian mentality. Mm. You invest when you feel bad. And you sell when you feel good. And it's it is is exact opposite of what you would naturally do in you know in the world. I mean day to day. It's tough to manage your emotions. I mean, this is kind of an interesting topic we're about to talk to. I mean, it's kind of bravery and in investments, I guess. Right. I don't know what you'd call it. But you know, we do a lot of quantitative and a lot of people do that. There's a lot of quantitative models to decide this is a good price, this is a bad price, this is a fair price. You know, and we do a lot of that, a lot of investment managers do that, but setting that aside. There are moments where it's just kind of the personal bravery to go into things. And one of the the stories that we were talking about was John Templeton, who's a famous investor. Yeah, John Templeton is is probably the one of my heroes early on in my career. I listened to him religiously. Just he was just a phenomenal individual. Yeah. So there's a, a famous story of of him. You know, when uh, World War II is in the midst of it. Um, you know, thing the world's falling apart. This is 1940. Think yeah. of what the world was like in 1940. Yeah. And he made a comment. And he felt they had re- they reached a point of maximum pessimism. Yeah. Which that kind of phrase jumps out at me. But but saying you know, there's just all hope is lost. It can't get any worse. We're all doomed. And that was the moment that he called his stockbroker and said, "Buy me a hundred dollars of every company in the stock exchange that's trading under a dollar." I mean, all the prices have plummeted. You know, the world's falling apart. We're in the midst of World War II. And uh, he just buy, buy everything, basically. And the, the story goes that the broker called him back and said, okay, got it all. You have this many stocks, except for the bankrupt ones. He said, no, no, get those two, get, get everybody. And he bought everything. Uh, and it was 104 moment. stocks. Yeah, 104 stocks. And it sounded like, you know, years later when he looked to sell them after the war, it was, it was like out of 104, like 100 of them 
were all massive profitable, right? <laughs> There's only a few failures, but it took extreme courage. And, and the moment there is he, he said he took a loan out that in today's dollars would be $200,000 loan. And it, it, knowing the story about John Temple, it's the only time in his life he ever borrowed money hmm. was to do this. He had finished, he finished his uh, work at Yale. He was working at an investment house in, in Wall Street at that time. This is, this is 1940, guys. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're thinking about what is going on in the world in 1940, um, it, it was pretty devastating news continually. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the, the comment you know, that the people, not John Temple, but others will say, um, you, you have to listen to your gut and do the opposite. Right. <laughs> you know, I was saying in the investing, but I think the bravery comment to say, you know, when we've reached maximum pessimism, that's when it's the moment to really go in. You know, not that you say that it's, it's necessarily a quantitative bottom, but it it's the most. So I think in recent it's, history, it's emotional. It's it's the what we call you know we we refer to it as you know behavioral finance. But people let their emotions rule their decisions, and it and in, in investing, it is one of the worst things you can do. Yeah. So uh, recent memory is March twenty twenty. Right. You know, everything comes crashing down, and the 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 poor choice is you know to call the broker, you call someone, and just say I got to get out. You know, it's fallen so far. The world is falling apart. We're never going to get out of this. COVID's destroying all of it sell everything. Well, 2020 ended up being a phenomenal year if you waited to the end of it. Right. You know, everything went right back up. But but the question is who 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 blinked, you know, who sold in the midst of it? And so for 2020, the the bravery was to stay. People who are committed and saw, you know, their life savings, you know, it didn't quite fall in half, but for a lot of people, a 20% drop. Yeah, I mean if you occurred. had if you had I mean if you were just in the market uh and if you were invested in um S&P 500, you know, what we call the total stock market, yeah, it dropped a lot. It dropped I mean, it dropped lot. well over 20%, yeah. about 34% within literally days. Yeah. And then turned back around once it hit bottom and shot up for the rest of the year. So, I mean, Randy, you've, you've done this more than I. I mean, are, are there times you remember kind of those bravery moments of either going in or staying in or getting out? Like they just well, I remember, I remember 2000, uh, 1999 and 2000 vividly. Um, the market had reached a point where valuations on internet stocks were just stupid. Uh, there was no earnings, but it affected the total stock market because you know, kind of like all boats are all boats rise with the water. So all this fluidness, all this money came in, and we looked at it. And Barron's came out with an article. It was in January of of, of I think it was in two thousand, and it talked about the burn rate. Hmm. And it was a very uh, interesting article and talked about, and it identified the companies that were going through cash and they weren't going to last 30, 60, 90, mm. you know, didn't have so enough money. The burn rate being that they're burning through their cash. They're using up right. everything they got. And to me, it was, it was an article that was uh, extremely uh, descriptive of the, of the problems of mm. startups. And we made adjustments based on that because it was internal knowledge. It was, it was something that was a very, um, it, it was it was descriptive of what was going on, and yep. we didn't see a way out other yep. than these companies are going to go bankrupt. So we started to make defensive moves. Uh, the same thing happened in 2008. Uh, Barron's had an article uh, in January again. It was Noriel Rubini. They called him Doctor Doom, but he was predicting the um, the meltdown in the mortgage business. And this was well before things started to really roll up. Mm. And uh, we took a hard look at that. We took a hard look at that. And I talked to, uh, we, we had conversations with some very top economists at the time. And they were, most of them were kind of discounting it. Mm. And yet we know what the result of that was. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the bravery is the, the moment to do something. And you know, when everyone is giddy, you know, right. everyone is excited to say, I'm moving to defensive. 
Right. I imagine, you know, there could be investors who who call up and say, Hey, wh- why did you get me out of this stuff? Like, I'm going to miss the back, the wagon. This is all going, going to, you know, a thousand or whatever, you know, going through the roof. So the bravery to stop when you're ahead, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I just had a conversation with a granddaughter of a client who passed away a few years ago. And this client was a hundred, just, he crossed over a hundred and he, and he passed away shortly thereafter, but he was, in my mind, he was the epitome of a good investor. Mm. He was always looking for the right stocks. He was always buying any held he, and he didn't let uh, momentary, you know, fluctuation or volatility change his attitude about things. And here I'm talking to his granddaughter, two generations away, and, and she's in her thirties and she's asking whether or not she should move out of her 401k, move into cash. Mm. And I'm thinking you're doing the exact opposite of what mm. your grandfather is trying is trying to demonstrate. So she's asking advice at that yeah. point. So it was a teaching moment for me. And it yeah. was kind of interesting how I kind of um, translated what her grandfather's history was, his legacy to her, yeah. and how she should look at things differently. Right. And how, how interesting. How cool to to have a, a grandfather generation that can pass on that legacy. Yeah. Not just in giving the money, but also giving, I guess, the relationship. Someone who knew him for years. Right. But now that can kind of talk through. And you know, as, as a young investor in her thirties, I'm sure there's some elements of doing what feels natural, but also needing to learn that. You know, like yeah. you said, having that teaching moment, that legacy from a grandfather. That's great. I, I think bravery in investing is is difficult. Yeah. Um, and I, I yeah, surprised. it's not an easy thing to go against the grain. Yeah. And how many people, you know, call us and will say, Hey, shouldn't we just buy gold or shouldn't we move to cash? And there's moments to do that. Um, you know, just recently with Ukraine, um, the invasion there, people were concerned about world war three, you know, that yeah. might be about to start, um, inflation, you know, things are happening. It, it, it's a moment to kind of look at, you know, do I need to move to protection? Like those moments you said, do you need to, you know, get out while things are looking too good? Or do you need to stay in when things are looking bad? And not that you just always have to do the contrarian thing. I mean, there's analysis there, right? There's, there's thoughts. And a lot of what we do is trying to keep our pulse on the market, right. not just what the talking heads say on TV, but what, what's really going on. And we talk to a lot of economists, but it, it's, it's difficult to get good knowledge and then to check your emotions and but make a brave choice. Most of the, the key decisions in investing is moving against the grain. Like, for mm-hmm. example, selling at the top of the market and buying at the bottom of the market. And it's it's exact opposite emotionally of what a lot of people you want to do uh, can do. You so know. it's the moment where you see maximum pa- pessimism <laughs> right. when you see that, that we are doomed. It's probably a moment to think about your portfolio. Yeah, and I mean it echoes another famous investor, uh, and that was that's Warren Buffett. And he says, you know, when people look scared, when they get really scared, he said that's when I get greedy. And mm. it's the same mentality. Uh, that's the best time to accumulate the most the, the most valued assets because right. you know they're going to come back. So. Right. As long as we don't all. You know, end up in the apocalypse. I guess that's the the, the concern, right? People are yeah. looking at the apocalypse or something. But yeah. Great. Well, stay tuned for our next section. We're going to do news you can use. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section of the program that we refer to as news you can use. One of the, uh, Jeremiah, 
you're in a different generation than me. I, I mean, your technology is easy for you. I, I've seen you navigate through sites. And this article here talks about your old phone. Yeah. And, who, I, and I've got three or four phones in the drawer. Yeah. Who doesn't have a phone or an iPad or a laptop sitting in a drawer? They're not using it. Right. right? And technology, I mean, I don't know if it's three years. I don't know what the normal you know, uh, replacement rate is currently. I mean, some people I'm sure have phones that are old, but you know, the article that we read has to do with what do you do with old, primarily phones, but this could apply to any sorts of technology, but what, what do you do with them? You, you had them. It was great. <laughs> the new one came out, they gave you a deal and now you've got a new phone. You know, some places you, you trade it in. That's, that's probably the easiest. You go to AT&T or Verizon, you give them an old Best phone. Buy. Yeah, they, but, they yeah. have places to do that. Yeah. They give them, give them your phone and they wipe it for you. And then they give you the newest, latest, greatest for some discount. Right. That's easiest. But, but the question being, what if you didn't do it that way? <laughs> what if you just bought one? What if you change and you've got in the drawer, two or three phones? What, right. what do you do with them? And my concern is always you turn your phone over. Are you turning over all of your personal information to somebody? Yeah. Is it going out there to somebody in Slovakia or something yeah. that's going to use it against you? Yeah, nothing against the Slovakians, but, <laughs> but you know, then it gets sent over. And so the, the first thing, and you know, this article kind of goes into some of the details, but the first thing is you have to wipe your phone. You know, and, and if you're not sure how to do that, do that. It's, it's working with somebody either in your family or a friend who could help you go in and what do you mean gets rid of all your personal information off yeah, the phone? Sometimes it's called a factory reset. You reset the phone. And it, right. it usually when you try and click on that, it says, are you sure? Are you very sure? Are you very, very sure? You have to go through a couple of screens to make, to confirm this is what you want to do, but it takes out, you know, all your messages, all your storage, all your history, everything, and, and turns it back into kind of like when you got it from the factory, you know, a clean phone. So first there's that, that personal side is you got to wipe it. And if you don't know how to wipe it, you get, get with someone who can help you. But then the second is where, where do you go? And this article, what's the name of the article? Article says uh, trade in your old phone for cash instead of stashing it in a drawer. And it, it really is, it's, it's very good. It gives you a lot of places where you can go to take your old phone. Even, even if you've bought a new phone, you can still take your old phone and they'll give you money for it yeah. or they'll give you a credit card that you can use in like, like Walmart or wherever. Yeah. And some of the companies are just, I mean, they're in the article, but we'll list a few of them. There's, there's Echo ATM, right. ECO ATM, there's Gazelle. Swappa, Gazelle, um, all the carriers, AT&T, Verizon, things like that. They usually have some sort of a deal, but, but often they'll, there's even a few of them that they, um, they'll analyze it. They'll see the quality. Is it broken? Is it not? And, and the key thing that they, the article mentions, you know, whenever you get a phone, they're saying, put it in a case, put it in a case, put a screen protector, protect on it. it. Yeah. Protect it <laughs> because it's, it's not, you know, these phones are no longer just disposable after two or three years and worthless. There's, you know, there's, there's lithium in the batteries. There's all sorts of stuff in the screens and the aluminum in the case. So, you know, one, just saving the environment, but also there's actual cash value there. I mean, some of these things it's, it's quoting, you know, hundred to 300 bucks for a, a, what to a you, really old phone. Yeah. What to you is a, a you know, taking up space. I call it a hunk of junk. Yeah, that's right. A hunk of junk. And um, so I, I think it's useful. I've uh, personally, I've sold, I think one or two phones on Gazelle. Uh, it's, it's a website that you mail it in and they, they do all that stuff and sell it to you. But, um, but for those of you that are not, um, you know, don't want to navigate a website, there are retail stores you can go to and they will give you, they have kiosks that you can go to. They'll look at your phone. They'll examine it at the moment and they'll say it's worth X. Mm -hmm. Now you could probably shop it around, but if you're like I am, if somebody offered you three or $400 for an old phone that you thought was just a hunk of junk, you're probably gonna say, okay, give me the $300, yeah, yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah, that's right. One of the comments he says, you can probably get the most money if you, it's kind of like a car, a private right. sale. If you sold it on eBay or sold it on Craigslist, but but you gotta go through that hassle of finding the buyer, making right. sure you're not getting ripped off. So a lot of these, if you go through some of these websites, they'll give you a, a fair deal. Right. Um, and that fair deal is, is useful for what was a hunk of junk. 
And this is this is a very informative article. So if you'd like to have a copy of this, we would be more than happy to send you out a free reprint of this article. And you can utilize it, I think, to probably build up, you know, hopefully you've got stuff in your drawer that you can sell and take to a retailer or wherever. And it puts money in your pocket. So do that. That's right. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss on a future episode, you can send us an email using the contact button on our website, which is retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. It's 951-684-7011. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.